Welcome to the Intentional House Podcast. Here, it's all about creating beautiful homes that actually help families love better. Here's your host, the home coach herself, Carly Thornock. Hey homies, it's Carly. I'm so glad that you're here. This is the official podcast of Intentional House, where we champion making our houses beautiful, simple, and connected. And often that feels awful (laughs) because it's so much more fun sometimes to just bulldoze through and make it exactly how we want it to be. But I have a wonderful guest here today and I'm so excited to talk to her. This is Paige Reen. Am I saying your last name correctly? I should probably have made sure. It's okay. You know what? It's a totally phony made up name anyway, which is another story we can discuss about intentionality. It's Ryan. I like to say Ryan. Ryan. Oh, that's That's even more beautiful. Paige (laughs) Ryan. I'm so glad that she's here. She has been such a light for me in the housing world darkness. And I feel like when I found her, I was like a kindred spirit. I love everything you say. How can I know everything about you? So we've been chatting, we've been messaging, and she agreed to be on our podcast here today to talk about co-creation. So Paige, before we jump into it, will you introduce yourself a little bit? Well, first of all, Carly, thank you so much for having me. This is an honor and just a delight because I've been in that darkness alone. And I, I mean, I, I really, I mean, I almost feel like on many days, I'm like, this is too lonely um, to try to be a little counterculture in our home design world, which uh, is a culture of its own. And so I, I feel likewise, when I met you, I thought, my goodness, this is like, this is someone who who thinks like I do. And it, and it's really interested in the whole house for the whole person and the whole family, which is, uh, which is not always what people talk about in our world. So. Yes, really. It was one of those moments of like, pure energetic delight. I was like, oh, Oh. Paige, she was sent from above into my world. I'm so glad to know you. So glad that you're here. Likewise. So tell us about you. Tell us like your history, a brief history, your family, where you're currently living, all that kind of good stuff. Okay. So we're we're talking two hours or three for this. this, I know, right? (laughs) Not short. (laughs) The cliff notes. Cliff notes is that um, I live in Maryland with my husband and my four children. I have always loved all things home. Always, 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 always. Um, I actually just, just joking around today that when I went on my first Girl Scout camping trip, um, I just wanted to rearrange the cabin. It was like two of us and there were two beds and, there were, and I just, that's all I wanted to do. And they came knocking at the door and they're like, we're going to go on a hike. I'm like, heck no, I don't, I, I don't want to leave. I want to <laughs> arrange. I had, I had like picked out like one yellow sheet, one blue sheet, one pink sheet. And I loved, I wanted to try, it was like the eighties and past whatever. And I, that's what I wanted to do. Anyway, that's been my whole life. I've been excited about beauty making in the home since then. And, um, but I think my family, like a lot of factors have molded and, um, shaped that vision for the home and my work in the home and my ideas about the home. And certainly my family and my faith and even my personal journey in, in recovery has just shaped everything. I, I just don't see the home the way I used to. And I, I think more people, I think would see it in a more holistic way. And, and it would be a a blessing to see in a different way, because I think that what we're told is that our homes have to measure up and they have to all look alike and they have to be perfect. And none of that's true. So and none of that. Okay. No, true. we'll talk about it. And none of that's true. It's so enlightening, enlightening and freeing all at the same time. And also really scary for a lot of people because they think, well, if it's not supposed to be right, then what am I going to do? I'm just going to live in a hovel and never care for my children and never make anything beautiful again. And I feel like I'm dying. Have you ever gotten mm-hmm. that feedback from people? Well, yeah, no, I think I don't, I don't think we need to be so black and white, but I hear, I know that that's the feedback. I mean, what are we not supposed to care? What are we just, just throwing the towel and, you know, never have anything nice. And I, I think, no, I mean, I, I, I like, I'm a beauty addict. I love making things. I love beautiful things. I'm looking at a frame on my desk. Like I could just stare at that all day. I mean, I love it so much. And yet at the same time, 
you know, I love it because things are easier than people. That's what I say all the time. Like, I love what you said earlier. It's really, it's hard. Like raising kids and being in a marriage sometimes can be very hard. And, you know, there's, I heard this wonderful quote earlier that was like something like, you know, it, it, parenting is really hard. And when we're doing it right, it sometimes feels rotten, you know, like we're doing, you know, like the hard work of it doesn't feel right. It's not affirming. It's actually very invalidating. You know, sometimes we got, I got teenagers give me all kinds of sass and all that kind of stuff. And for setting boundaries and for, you know, putting guidelines in that are not dictated, you know, from the outside world. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we, it's not about throwing something out entirely, but it's, it is about finding our own way. And if anything, like we're not, I'm not saying like you have to ignore all of the design knowledge of of the history of time. If anything, you need to avail yourself of all of it and then choose wisely and have the maturity to kind of gather what works for you yourself over a long period. Um, And it takes a lot of time and discernment and, and, you know, and just like parenting and family life, we can't kind of copy what our neighbor has, even if we really want to, (laughs) you know, it doesn't work. Oh, that's so beautifully said. Oh, yes. That's so beautifully said. We have to make it individual. And I loved how you said it takes maturity and discernment and all of these qualities that without all we're doing is copycatting each other and then we're frustrated. But why it doesn't work, we don't understand, we do confusion. That's that discernment piece that's so beautiful. So Paige, on my podcast, I like to do what I call a little lifesaver. And this is just a little thing around the house, something that most people probably have, maybe they don't have, something that cuts your life in like your time into two or makes you feel happy every time you use it. I've seen you talk a lot about your tea time tradition that you've started establishing. I think that's beautiful. Would you tell us a little bit about that? And then maybe another little lifesaver that you have around the house that you just can't live without, just something that makes your life fun? Sure. Well, I'm chuckling because people that know me know me. I'm very impractical. Like I, I'm not good at cutting time or making things simple. I like to make things very complicated and I'm a maximalist, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I like a time saver. I'm not, I'm, I'm a good at time waster. And I'm also good at like, you know, t- spending a lot of time and a lot of things that, you know, will get used in five minutes. But um, I would say, yes, our tea time has been wonderful. And if I, one of the things that popped in my mind is our, our, our new little pink teapot. And uh, it came into my life on a, on a dark day when I decided I needed like 15 minutes in a thrift shop. And um, this teapot, like to use it, you have to fill it with hot water and tea bags. And then you have to like sit in front of someone that you love and then ask them a question. <laughs> so it actually is, a, it's a wonderful anchor. It's a wonderful tool. My daughter loves it. My daughter who is our youngest and um, is just wants to connect like in her, her feminine genius is just sometimes really wants to connect and be with me and sit. And, and I, a lot of times have to be reminded to do that because it doesn't feel like there's ever enough time to do that. And so this teapot is like a little bit like her tool. Um, it's a tea time, you know, and, 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 and I want to do too, but sometimes I need a little encouragement to put down dinner prep or the phone or whatever. Um, so the, the teapot has been great. And I, and I, I just love it. I love, I love the ritual. I also love using my stuff. Like I, I said to my husband, we were never, ever, ever going to use those teacups from our wedding ever. We were, we were going to die and they were going to be at Goodwill. We were <laughs> never going to pull out because we're just not like dinner party and pull up and then have coffee afterward. Like it just, we don't do that. So they were never going to be used. And I used the plates, but the cups were never going to be used. And we just decided in an effort to use it, we now use them. It now sits on a big tray on our, on our kitchen table, totally ridiculous in some ways, but we're using it. And, um, and it's been great for that reason. That's so beautiful. I love this because you're right. Maybe it's not a time saver. Maybe it's not like a hack to life, but we're, be- we're over time savers. We're over hacks. Like that's not the point of house anyway. So this is something that's come alive to you. And it's come alive in my heart too. We're out on the road right now in our trailer for the next foreseeable future. 
So I don't have my tea set with me. I didn't bring my teapot. But now I'm like, we have to stop by. Where is the antique shops? I have to get a good one. Like Paige, I have to get something that means something. I can't just go to Target. Can't just do the Target ones. Is there anything else that's like that for you around your house that's so super meaningful that has just made a difference? Well, but so can I also just say but what you just said was so beautiful. I almost, can we just go back to that for one second? Yes, please. Like, about like, you can't just go to Target because <laughs> I've been thinking about this has been on my heart a lot because it's easier to go to Target, you know, and it may even be cheaper in the sense of time or convenience, or you can also grab toilet paper or a shirt or something like that. But um, I think we, in this culture, we have to really uh, guard ourselves against being marketed to. And oh, yeah. I, that's one of the things that makes a, this teapot very special is that it was in a grimy old thrift store and I, I wasn't sold a lifestyle, you know? And so I don't know if it is of someone's lifestyle to do tea with their daughter at three and hear about how like the other little girls in the class were mean or whatever. I don't know if that's people are doing, but it's like a vein that we found without being like marketed to or sold to or whatever. And I just, I think that's something we need to work on. So anyway, just want to say that. Yes, yes. Sorry, that's great teapots, but you miss out so on a lot. Maybe like the invitation to my listeners, to our listeners here is don't copy the tea time. Find some sort of ritual. Look around you. What's what's the low hanging fruit? What do your kids need? What's Is it video games? Do you sit down every day and play a game of whatever they're playing together and laugh and share memories? Like what is your tea time? Something like that. Maybe that could be an interesting way for people to yeah, look at it. I, I love that because I will tell you right now that tea time came about because I didn't want to do maybe the first thing they asked me. Right. Like, right. I mean, like my daughter will say, can you push me on the swing? And I'm saying, not right now. I want to sit with you because I'm a sitter. Okay. I'm a total sit. I'm a sub person that likes to sit and look at your face. And so, you know, can we go to the playground? Not now, but I would like to. So it's, it's, it's like an accommodation on both ends. You know, my girl is, you know, loves tea time and all that. And she loves pink and the teapot's pink, but it's, it's more than that. It's more like, I think in parenting, you know, our kids are going to stretch us and ask us to do things. You know, a lot of times we say, I have to say yes, but there's sometimes we can just find a, a middle ground, if you will. And so maybe it's not a teapot, but maybe it is a game you play outside. If you're an outdoorsy active person, maybe it's a book, you know, I don't know. I, I, it, I think you touched on something there with something that works for both parties. Cause it does work for me to sit and have tea. <laughs> that really yeah. works for me. And so often we think in black and white again, where we're like, it's either something that they love. We have to play My Little Pony or Bionicles mm -hmm. on the floor with the kids for hours, or it's something that I want to do. And we're watching Hallmark movies or whatever, and they don't like it. But if we find something, there is something that we both are going to want to do. Let's figure it out. Yeah, yeah, indeed. No, amen. There is that. It is, But it, it just takes time. And I think in confidence and um, yeah, and that's what the house is for, right? Like, like that's what the house is for, to find what works for us and what works for them. Um, it's not either or. And I think when there's an either or situation, there's tension, there's too much tension and it creates problems because if you feel like your house is totally self-sacrificing to the children and all of their wants and whims, there's a lot of resentment that kind of comes of that. And then on the flip side, if you go from a house where like the house is really for the adults and you can't touch anything and it's all perfect and precious, what message is that there too? So I think it's a, it's a definitely a balance. Mm. So good. The paradox. It's almost just this juxtaposition that makes it so beautiful. And the the movement of it too. It's not a static solution. It's always going to be changing and moving. So this is the perfect gateway into talking about co-creating our homes. So we have this idea of what houses should be or what even what we personally as individual women would like our houses to be based on whatever cultural ideas we might have generated or our families or even just our imaginations. And we get married, perhaps, and we have children. And then we find ourselves in this place where what we thought we wanted of home is not quite 
what our houses look like. We wake up and it's different and lots of thoughts are going through our head. Sometimes like, oh, I'm a bad mom. I can't even live my dreams. I'm stuck here. These kids are annoying, whatever it is. Often it's conflicting, conflictual feelings. What has been your journey through this juxtaposition of your design career where people are paying you to create beauty and to be on trend and to help them look good to all of their people and then creating your own house where real life is supreme and where kids are part of your world and where crazy happens and clutter happens and messes happen. Like how do they, they coexist? What's been your journey through reconciling these two seemingly opposites? That's such a good question. And it's, and I don't, I don't know how anyone in the design world doesn't have the experience I've had because I feel like there's a lot about having children, which is very universal. But um, to your point, I mean, I, I sort of came out in, in parenting thinking I have an idea. I care about the house the most. I have an aesthetic. I have stuff I want to express. I have a story I want to tell and I'm going to tell it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Lord did not get the memo that I wanted three very quiet girls. That's what I really wanted. That would, <laughs> that would make, that would really be into poetry at like toddlerhood. Um, and I didn't get that. I got three really active, rambunctious, loud, really physical boys. I mean, my first son walked at nine months, started punching at 10 months. I mean, he's just a big brutish, happy, energetic kid. He's a big wrestler. Anyway, I, you know, everybody moves a lot and, and is loud. And so I feel like what I wanted just didn't work. You know, what I wanted as a woman, even as a creative person in my home didn't work. And I think a big part of family life is dying to self. And I, we, I think you and I've talked about this. I, I don't live alone. I, I don't live by myself. I, this, my home is not my, my blank canvas to express whatever I think is appropriate at the, it's, it's a, it's a living, breathing entity that we are sharing. Um, And people say, well, the husband doesn't care. The kids don't care. They do care. They do care. I, you know, my kids have opinions about, you know, certain art may be off-putting or certain colors they don't care for. They're very sensitive. They can't find what they need, or if they feel like there's too much stuff or, or if they feel like, I don't know, something feels like they call it like too granny or too feminine or too masculine or too there. They will tell you, they, they will give you these guides. Now, are they our ultimate guide? Are they, do we listen to everything they say? You know, we can't. I mean, I mean, my one son is very critical. He calls my granny stuff, every, anything vintage he, he doesn't like. But I think we do take into account, especially for their, for their, for their spaces, couldn't get that out. And then also, we also just reconcile what we're trying to do as moms, which really has to supersede this vision for the look and feel of the home. I mean, I think we've just been dumbed into thinking that we're all going to live in just a 2D image. That's just not reality. We have to live in a living, breathing home that does more than just look good and more than even serve a meal and more than even hold our clothes. It's way more than that. It's it's teaching values and virtues and molding minds and hearts. And I mean, it's so much when you think about it, you're like, wow, we're doing a lot here. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it, you know, the, we're, the, the 2D image just, just does not work. And so I think like the, the teapot, going back to the teapot for a second is a great example because I like it. I think it's pretty, but on a shelf, it's useless to me. <laughs> it really is. But used with my daughter and helping to connect with her when it's easy to blow past that and go to the next thing, practice, whatever. It's now a tool for, which is connected to the mission of our whole home. Um, mm. So I, it's, it's been a slow process of me, but really seeing what's needed in the family, connecting to what we're trying to do and trying to do it beautifully, but it's a much different kind of beauty. I know it's you, a much you know, different kind of beauty. Oh, uh, yeah. 
It totally is because it's less about what's on trend. It's not beauty to somebody else. It's beauty to us. And beauty is function, but it's less about like getting the dishes done function or having your closet all match function. It's like enlivening your soul is the function that we're going for here. Transferring values. It's so much more. Yeah, it is. And like you said, it's hard. It's hard work. It's not as easy as just a pretty vignette. That's real easy. <laughs> right. Right. It is. But it's how we use the vignette. It reminds me of setting the stage for like a play. Have you ever been to Broadway or any play at all where you sit there in the audience and you can see the stage and all and you know the story probably? I'm thinking of like West Side Story that I went to see a couple of years ago and there was like a big scaffolding and there were lights and the city scene and all this. And I was just imagining how are they going to use this set to portray the story that I knew was coming. And our houses to me are the same where we walk in and we have this set that is sometimes static, but is usually very active in telling out the story of our lives in having these memories being made and having these children growing and infusing ideas and values and character into their very essence of their souls and into our family culture. It's so much more than just a scaffolding. It becomes their memories. It, it, it literally imprints on their heart. And every time they're gonna see your house or smell your house or eat the things that you ate in your house, they're gonna remember what it means to be part of the family. And I think when we think about setting the stage over setting a vignette, it's so much more lively. It's about the play. Mm. Oh, first of all, I'm a retired actor. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Different chapter a long time ago. It wasn't long lived, but I did have a New York acting career. Last oh my goodness. Minutes. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but I, I, I actually love that because I, I think I, sometimes I talk about like, we're not doing movie sets. We're not doing play sets because, but I think, but I, but I'm now rethinking that, that it is, and, you know, a, a set, set set up for actors is to support like what's going on in the play and the scene. And it's supposed to be things are meant to be touched and imagined and used and whatever. And in our home, it's the same way. And I'm thinking like, if you have a beautiful house and then the kids come in and the pillows are on the floor and I mean, my, I don't know what it is, but every pillow, every pillow ends up on the floor. <laughs> it is like, no, it's something about, <laughs> I don't know whether they throw them at each other or like, I've got pillows, I've got throws. They're on the floor. The books are, you know, everything's kind of messed up. If that have, if you go into that room and you see that that version of the room and you really get mad, well, then you have a real life <laughs> because that is actually what happens. Yeah. And you know, you know, yes, children could be trained. Some children could be trained to not do that or to put things back where they are. Or maybe if they're like me, maybe they're naturally inclined to let me put the pillows back. It looks better. But for the most part. That's normal life. Even if I were to have four adults over, the room looks different than the way I said it. It's been lived in. And I think, and I, I, I noticed this a lot about in your content too, it's really being at home in that space because I think, you know, we don't live in a magazine. We don't live in something static. And a lot of times I'll take my cues from how they live in this space. You know, I, you know, right now I have two couches close together, but I've done two couches far apart because if I notice that they're on the floor all the time, I'm like, let's make the floor bigger. You know, let's expand the space that's, you know, adult, you know, furniture placement for good conversation may be facing each other, but for boys seven, nine, and 11, it may be, it's just the WWF setup <laughs> so that they have room to like wrestle and, 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 op I mean, you know, I strongly believe boys need a little bit of air, you know, whether it's outside or inside. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I do think it's, and then like kind of coming to terms with the season that they're in 
and not, you know, not bemoaning it because none of them are long from what oh, I can yeah. tell. All about the movement, all about the movement. I have three very active small children also. And there's something about every pillow, every blanket always on the floor. I wrote that in my notes, like, how are we choosing this? Sometimes we feel so threatened by this, getting rid of all the couches, all the books on the shelf. Sometimes my kids will just walk by their, their kid books on those little cute little Ikea shelves and just like right across all on the floor because they're there because yes. they just yeah. do that impulsively. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. And it can either offend me or I can come to it in a place of power and recognize like this is them creating. They may not do it in the way that I would do it. They may not do it how the experts would say is a cute reading nook to do, but they're interacting with these pillows. They're interacting with each other. And truly, isn't that what I'm wanting? And what am I wanting deep, deep down? In one of your reels, Paige, you said, we prepare food and we play and we delight with each other in our homes. And the surprises are what make, make the house come alive. Can you speak to that a little bit? No design can, plan can offer that is what you said. It has to come naturally. So what does this mean to you and how does that apply to co-creating in the house? So I just think that one of the, 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 the like the fundamental ingredients of a great space is the people and, um, and how they behave. And so, yes, you know, I may plan out and design a beautiful space based on the shapes and the, the, the fixtures and the furniture and the, the built-in items and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately for the space to become really, truly beautiful and magic and then to have to be enlivened, it's how the people use it and if they enjoy it. And maybe they'll do something that I didn't anticipate because we can plan and, and, and forecast and like hope for how people use it. But ultimately, I mean, and I, you know, I don't think a lot enough design people own up to this. We really don't know how the space is going to be used until it's there. You know, we really don't know, especially with children, but even with adults. I mean, people have different levels of a desire for sociability. They have a different desire for like connectedness. I have one son that really needs space. He's always like in the up in the corner. You know, I have other kids that like, I have one son that's right here. If he's home, he's here. <laughs> he's right here. So it's, I think everybody, anyway, I think it's just, it's, um, I don't know if that really answered your question well, but I think that I've been amazed at how um, sometimes a shortcoming I'll say in my house, like my kitchens is, is small and we all get clustered and we're like, sometimes like ping pong balls with each other. Um, but some of them, have, those moments have been really great. And we've giggled and laughed and the house is, the kitchen's a mess and I'm not moving forward with dinner. And I have to watch myself that I don't say, get out of my way. You are in my way. You are in my way. You know, um, a lot of times they're in my way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you might say, well, you're never going to get a meal done if you don't tell them to leave. But, but sometimes I just let that moment be that my son wants to be right here as I'm dropping vegetables or something. And I'm just like, wow, okay, let, how can we work with this? By the way, how is that? How can I, as an adult, treat this 12-year-old child who's in a few years will be not interested in what I'm chopping and will be long gone? How can I, how can I move so that they can stay here? And I can maybe shift around. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's honestly, it's accommodating the human behavior that's happening in the space um, as best we can. And again, it's like, what comes up for me is that sort of dying to self and like my idea, my agenda, my goal, my will, you know, is constantly weakened in parenting. And I think from a design perspective, this is also true that we, we may want what we want, but ultimately we're not living by ourselves. And if I was living by myself, I would have it exactly as I want, <laughs> you know, um, but I'm not. And I'm so glad I'm not. Yeah, that's a choice. I mean, really, we are sovereign adult women. 
We could go out and get an apartment. We could do whatever the heck we wanted to. We don't have to have kids. We don't have to stay with our husbands. We don't have to do the things that we're doing. We don't have to. Nobody's forcing us. We don't have to. And when we feel so shackled because we can't do what we really want, we need to take a step back and think like, actually, I can. I could get in my car and I could leave and I could not come back. But really what we're wanting is to be with our people. We're wanting motherhood. We're wanting to be a spouse. We're wanting to be at home. We're wanting to share space. We brought these children into our space for this very reason. And doing our job right, just like we've said a few times, often feels crabby. <laughs> it often feels awful because that's just life. Life sometimes has good feelings and sometimes has bad feelings, but we can be progressing in the right way with both of those emotions. And that's hard for a lot of us to conceptualize. Like if I feel uncomfortable at home, maybe my home is wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Something's wrong. Escape. Some, fix it. But what if it can feel wrong? It can feel uncomfortable. It can feel crowded, but it can be pointed us toward the very thing that we wanted all along, a connected family, beautiful memories, shared dinner time, shared even like value transference of dietary selection. Like to have children in our home, we're teaching them so much just by having them around. And, and by not being afraid of that, we give ourselves so much uh, room to be flexible. And I think also what you're describing is a lot of it is the hidden life. You know, I think about mm. like, and this is a topic I've been thinking about a lot, like a lot of motherhood is the hidden life. A lot of home life is the hidden life. We kind of think it isn't because people post pictures of their rooms and their bedroom and their bathroom on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Most homes are not photographed on Instagram. They're not photographed at all. They're not shared. Most of home life is a secret. And it sometimes feels like there's no, like, is anybody, I mean, it's like a lot of energy and a lot of activity and it can be very thankless and your kids, some children are, are very challenging or they go through challenging seasons or when kids are sick, it's like, nobody says, mom, thanks for being up with me all last night. You know, not one of my children has ever said that. Thank you for getting up with me while I had the pukes or something like that. So it just, sometimes it could feel like just, you can feel very unseen. And I, I think that uh, sometimes I've seen women and known women in myself. Sometimes you desire, I want my way in the house because if I'm going to be unseen, I want it to be pretty and I want it to be in order. And I want it, you know, I, and this is some way my imprint in the world, especially for moms that are home a lot with kids. This is my imprint in the world. Like, you know, I may be a physical mess. My kids may be, you know, not behaving well, but at least I can, you know, make things tidy in the home and so forth or make them beautiful or whatever. And I think that unfortunately, like, I think that a lot of acceptance uh, can be, can be met in that hidden place that again, like being on, you know, toiling with, with, especially with young children um, that I think is, is a shorter season than any of us realize. And I come to that so honestly, because I really was very unhappy when my kids were toddlers. I was just like, oh my gosh, nap time. And I'm very bad at structure and, and they're home all day. And I'm a really good indoor mom. I'm a terrible outdoor mom. I don't want to be outside. And so I, I struggled a lot, but then inside all day is not good for it. So I was not a happy mom with my kids were really little because I didn't know how long it was going to last. I didn't realize it, it really doesn't last very long, especially if your kids are close together. I had four kids in six years. It's ever like that. Um, and I wish someone was saying, listen, I, I know this is rough. We got kids with, you know, ear infections and strap almost every week. We've got, uh, you know, little boys, you know, starting fires and hurting themselves. And, you know, we have bleeding head, head wounds here and there. But trust me, like pretty soon they're going to be at school. It's going to be so different. And by the way, there's different stresses and worries and cares, but it's not, it's not um, what it was then, which was hard, um, just hard. And so I, anyway, I just wish someone had said that to me more. <laughs> Maybe I need to send that to more to moms in that season. Yeah, I think that that's so helpful 
I'm definitely in that stage right now where it's like, okay, one day we won't be up before 7 a.m. One day, <laughs> or at least I'll be up by myself before 7 a.m. <laughs> one day these yeah. things will, will end. But I love hearing that perspective of like, it, it's over so quick. It's over so yeah. quick. So you can either spend the time saying, get out of my kitchen and put the pillows back on the chair already. Dang it. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Or we can just let it be and take deep breaths and recognize that this is a problem that will solve itself eventually. So it's really not even a problem. It's just a life course. Yeah. Yeah. And also just, I think the older women really know that intuitively, which is why they delight in babies and they delight in little kids. And it's just like older women know like babies don't keep and this, these seasons are short. And a lot of times we don't have the perspective as, as moms in that season. And a lot of times we just desire to be with other moms in the same season because we can talk about the baby doesn't sleep and the house is a mess and the husband doesn't help. And all. <laughs> but actually I think we need to lean on um, older generations to, to remind us um, uh, that it's, it's a passing phase and it will, it will change and there'll be different things to worry about and care about, but it's not that tremendously arduous. Like I guess I keep calling it the hidden life. Cause it really is like raising small children and putting the hours in to play with them and hear them and know them and care for them and bathe them and feed them and <laughs> all that stuff and, and play rough when they fight and all that kind of stuff. It just, it's very draining. I mean, it's very, very draining. And it's, and I can understand why just the desire to like, just decorate for spring and have everybody be asleep would be like a very, very, you know, appealing, you know? Yes, totally. But that's what the house is for. And I love this, this idea of the debt to self and the hidden life where we are willingly giving up this part of ourselves. It's not a martyrdom of self. It's a, like almost a beautiful death of self, a seasonal death. It reminds me of like winter almost where it's the time of life for our wants and needs to be there and to be growing but to be like the tulip bulb where it needs a little germination while things are going on outside of it while things are happening in a different way that influence how the the, bl the blossom the bloom is going to ultimately come to be and it's not it's not that we're dying for forever it's just that we're choosing to be dormant for a minute to allow a different priority to take precedent and that's hard. That's a, yeah, that's that's a beautiful metaphor. I mean, I, I I think it's when I say dying to self, I think it's like my will, my desires, my needs, my cares, my vision, my perspective needs to die a little down. Oh, yeah, it needs to die down a little bit because it's it's actually I, the the bulb will never never bloom because I I'm it's almost a it can be almost oppressive for some of us with intense personality. Yes. Oh yes, and it's like you know like my will, my desires, my aims, and so forth. And so I think it, I mean, like, look, to, to borrow, you know, terms from sort of our faith life, it's, it's, to me, it's a little, it's important. We call it like the recovery process or the sanctification. It's like our children are forming us too, you know, our oh. children are forming us too. And if you've used to being, if you're used to being very much in control and very much having a say, and maybe having everything like in all in a row and so forth, or having like, I really wanted to pick my house and make it however I want it. I mean, it really came into motherhood like that. And I have I planned rooms for the next 10 years. I know exactly what I want. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, you know, the idea that I'd have kids where it just didn't work. And I'd have literally this like, you know, screeching sort of like the, the, the record sound, like this is just not working. <laughs> um, you know, was like, again, giving up a little bit. I'm, I had, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I had this fancy living room and I realized one day, like, I can't have this fancy living room anymore. Did we talk about this? Did I yes, this please. Round? Please continue to talk about this because this is one of my favorite stories you've ever told me because okay. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Well, I'm just chuckling because honestly, if I, it's just a very, it was very pretty and people thought it was very pretty 
you know, I shared a lot about on Instagram and it was, there's never been anything that I've ever done that was more, you know, likes and more successful and whatever. But I got, at one point I looked at my boys who were like wrestling in a corner and every once in a while, the wrestling ball would like roll into this room, which had like a glass coffee table and like antiques and thrift store finds and all kinds of formal stuff and quirky, weird stuff. I had like a golden mannequin head, and I don't, no, which is actually still in that room, but all kinds of quirkster stuff, cool art, things I'd collected. It was really beautiful, but it, nobody used it. We weren't, we didn't, we didn't need it, uh, but we needed that room to be something else. And it just became clear to me. I remember telling a friend and she said, oh no, not that room. Oh my gosh, like <laughs> that room, like you're going to get rid of that room. And I said, well, we don't have another one. <laughs> well, I don't have another room I can change and use. I mean, I need that space. And we have a house that is not small, but we need, but we use every square inch. And um, I needed a space where my whole family could gather. And so, and I didn't go, oh my gosh, you know, the boys are in the, I needed it to be, I actually need every room in my house to be a room where when my boys tumble in there, I don't say to myself, oh gosh, uh. everyone's on the dining room. I'm like, no wrestling in the dining room, you know, but <laughs> that's mostly because no matter what was in there, it's like, there's no, nothing soft to land on, but I needed the family spaces not to be precious or just for me or just for us or just for adult time. It just didn't, doesn't work. I know for some families, they have the space to do that. We do not. And so I needed to transform it into a kid's space. And it actually took me years to both take apart the formal adult living space, which I called like my moody love lounge or some other weird name like that, because it was very dark, dark walls and sort of sophisticated and meant for like a candlelight cocktail, which I'm sober anyway. So <laughs> that really, when I think about it, it was really stupid, but anyway, Anyway, long story short, over very many years, it became what is now basically our NFL and video game room um, for our kids. But I have to tell you, I love it. If you came over tomorrow, you and I would hang out in there. Like, fun. it's it's a fun room. It's fun. It's it has a comfortable sectional in it. It's it's it has like a whimsy and a childhood energy, and it has bright colors, and I love it. Um, and they kind of taught me that. You know, I wasn't going to get there and see that without my children being, you know, guiding me, if you will. And they didn't ask for it. They didn't know to ask for it. But you know what I mean? Like recognizing as a sensitive person, what I have isn't working. Led me there. Oh, man, that's so cool. So often we just think that we are the ultimate creators of the home and that everybody else has the 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 delight in being in what we've created and appreciating our creations that we've worked very hard and very long slaved over for them so they should be grateful you're where you're welcome everybody you're very welcome but when we account for them as their own stewards and as their own creative entities and we take feedback back from them this is when the co-creation cycle can get rolling and i think that's a perfect example of where you were like i created something here's our starting point the love lounge was a perfect starting point and they give you very good feedback of what needed to change and you changed it and now it's even probably iterated a few times since then of becoming different and as they get older and as you get wiser and as things change and as seasons change it just iterates and that's co-creation how do you I feel like you. your how do you feel like your husband co-creates in your home um that's an interesting question because francis will say he doesn't care um, like many other spouses, many other husbands, I'll say, Oh, I don't care. Whatever you want, you, you're better at it. You decide whatever, but he does care. Okay. Um, he they does all care. care and I, <laughs> they all care. They all care. So I always ask him even to say, listen, I like this fixture, but what do you think? And a lot of times he'll, he'll, a lot of times he'll be like, I don't, I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't think it's whatever. Every once in a while, he'll be like, that's cool. But very rarely. <clears throat> and what I find is that I have to work a little bit to say, okay, who is Francis? 
What are his likes and desires? What are the colors he's drawn to? What is his story? He's very outdoorsy. It's amazing how God unites us in a way where we end up like <laughs> finding people that like fill in the blanks that we, where we lack. And he's also quiet um, in many ways. And he um, loves nature. And so, and he loves birds. So I actually feel like I, it's my duty to, to try to find him in the house. So we have a lot of bird art. I mean, we have a lot of bird art. Um, we also have, I know he, he used to be a deadhead way back when that was his story. And so we have a Jerry Garcia piece of art that's in our bedroom, which is just like, it's just really cool. And so even cool. though I don't, I couldn't like the dead any less, but, but, but for, for me, that story of putting together art for him and his face and like, just, um, he feels like truly represented, which is just beautiful. Um, that's so beautiful. Our men don't yeah. need to be in a cave. They can be where we are. No, There's a way to do no. relationship and have it manifest in the house. I think that's really cool. Yeah, the, his and her spaces don't work for me because I have to say I'm I'm pretty in touch with uh, the sort of masculine elements in myself. <laughs> like I'm not like looking for like uber ultra feminine expression. Like I was an athlete. I like sports. I that's why like doing the game room for my boys was not that hard because I I understand what they're going for. They we didn't do like LED around the ceiling and all the other teen boy stuff that they wanted, but I did understand where they're coming from in terms of color. And I think even for my husband too, like I, you know, just when I'm choosing things, I'm just thinking about a balance. And I think that's, I like that aesthetically, like a balance of masculine event, but I also think it's just in fairness to, you know, to also who is largely responsible for the mortgage and to be truly honest. Yeah. And also who shared, shared, who we've decided to share our lives with. We've linked our lives with somebody on purpose. We've brought children into the picture on purpose Mm -hmm. and to have them walk into our homes and say, oh, I belong here too. Like, that's cool. That's fun. I want that also. And I think you've done a really good job in doing that. Something that you said on Instagram that I really loved, kind of as a concluding thought, is the real win is seeing the beauty as it unfolds, even if it isn't your plan. And recognizing that the beautiful mess is your plan. The beautiful mess. We need to re reilluminate beauty. Because what we think, what we've been socialized to think of as beauty isn't really serving us, isn't really serving our families. What would you say? Yes, amen to that. I agree. I actually have been thinking this idea that we need to all work on and strengthen our ability to see beauty in in a very simple way, but also in a very personal way. So I'm trying to, um, especially in a season where my kitchen is now like like one thing is breaking a week. And so I really need to renovate it. Um, but we can't, right this second is not happening. It's it's months away or even years away. But I'm still noticing like the sunlight comes in on my counter, my Korean counters, which any other designer would say, I can't believe you have that. And my white Korean counters, which are stained and the sun streams in and I see I have a little flower, always have flowers by the sink or a plant. I have to have it because yeah, I have to have a plant or flower, something green. And I have it there and just being able to like, I love the way like glass and sunlight and flowers work, you know, and especially after the, the kitchen's clean, it's, it's like, just feels great. And just, and really cultivating that, that skill to see beauty, even in the mess, you know, even when the pillows are all on the floor, I still pick the dang pillows. <laughs> I picked them. I, I like them. Um, and they look really pretty with the rug. I mean, you know, it's like, really <laughs> like ability to like, just have joy. And even like, like you said, I mean, I think a while ago, the kids had a day off and they're all in the house before Christmas. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I wish they would go away so I could do something. And then I thought, no, I, I do want them here. I'm also in a season where I see them beginning to drift. 
And so I, you know, next year my son will be in high school and I know he'll be home a lot, lot less. And I can get, I'm not going to talk about it now. I'm not going to cry, <laughs> but that I see that. And so I, I'm that I desire for them to just be gone is less and less in me. Mm. What a beautiful reminder. Thank you so much, Paige. You guys have got to check out our books. I know of two books that you've written, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are more hidden books that you have written. But the ones that I know about are called Love the House You're In, and your latest is called Revived and Renovated, Real-Life Conversations on the Intersection of Home, Faith, and Everything in Between. Go check them out. Did I miss any books? Are you a No, no, no. Just two. No, no. You're so nice. No, just that is two. so fun. And then tell people about your website and Instagram and how they can follow you and glean more amazing wisdom at your hand. Well, as you might know, I spend way too much time on Instagram. So I, I, I put a lot <clears throat> of personal stuff and I put a lot of in stories about our home life. And I find that people are actually really hungry for the real unvarnished, possibly unmade up <laughs> version of our life. <laughs> Um, and so yeah, at page Ryan.com or at page Ryan is Instagram and, uh, my website's terrible. Don't look at it. <laughs> so I think your website's really cute. <laughs> don't go to page Ryan.com. Yeah, don't go <laughs> whatever you do. Don't do that. <laughs> page Ryan, everybody. Thank you so, so much. It's always a delight to talk with thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Carly. Thank you for having me. Hey, if you are loving everything that you're hearing, I want to invite you to join the Home Love Lab. This is the program where I take you through all the steps in anchoring your home design and renovation in the love that you feel for yourself, for your spouse, for your children, and for all the guests that come into your home. It's a revolutionary way to look at home design, and I'd love to have you join me. You can find more details about the Home Love Lab at intentionalhouse.com.